Let's pray together, church. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow us all the days of our lives. We're so grateful, God, that you are our shepherd. We shall not want. You make us to lie down in green pastures. And God, we pray that today as we look into your word, we'll just, we'll find it to be green pastures. As we look at you, Jesus, living out your life, help us live a life like you did. Help us become like you. Conform us into your very image. And Father, we ask that we would live at rest the way that song just declares it. I will not fear. You are with me. And so, Father, I pray that you would comfort the people's hearts this morning as we gather around your word. But more importantly, God, I think we need a challenge. If we have all the peace and all the goodness and we have a great shepherd, then we have nothing to fear. God, help us build bridges. Help us be ambassadors of the gospel. Help us, help us God, to live out that life that you've rescued us to live, that you've empowered us to live. And so speak through your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, take your Bibles and let's look to another passage in the life of Jesus this morning. Matthew chapter 9. And so if you would, just kind of take your Bibles, turn that direction. If you don't have Bibles with you, I have most of the scriptures will be right above you. If you are, this is your first time, you have entered into a series called Iconic. And this series is about living life the way Jesus lives his life. And, and we began this series with uh, several passages of scripture, and it's all in the New Testament that declare God's will for your life. If you're a follower of Christ, here's what he wants to do for you. He wants to conform you to the image of his son. He wants to create in you a Christ-like life. And so this series is meant to act like a mirror or perhaps a ruler, something that you can compare yourself to. And you say, well, it's not fair to compare me to Jesus. I agree with that, you know. We, it's hard for us to, to uh, want to be compared to Jesus, but that's what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do. The gospel is being spread throughout the world, and we are to be taking the gospels. But as we take the gospel, we are to be living testimonies to the power, the transforming power of the gospel that we are taking, of the word that we are preaching and so if we take this series and we set it before us like a mirror, we can look at all of the different roles, all of the different uh, ways of living that the Lord Jesus demonstrated for us, and we can ask ourselves the very tough questions. We're going to ask a few tough questions at the end of this message. But so far in this series, we've looked at uh, his first key foundational trait. We found that Jesus was... Uh, above all things, he was a lover of God. He was a worshiper of God. And you, you, that even sounds kind of strange, but when God the Son became flesh, he limited himself and yielded himself in complete uh, surrender to the authority of God the Father. We find Jesus stopping time after time in his busy ministry to stop and pray. He'd go off and exp spend extended times uh, uh, alone with the Father. And then we saw that every time he got into uh, a, a time of testing with Satan, or, or oh, he would quote the Word of God, and he was someone who uh, understood and knew uh, the Word of God. And so he was a person who was a 
daily worshiper, not a once a week type worshiper or once a month, but you and I, if we are being conformed into his image, we will have a desperate devotion to God every day. We'll want to spend time with him. Now, the second thing we saw a couple of weeks ago is that we, uh, we saw that Jesus decided to live his life in a community, a small group of people. He called those 12 disciples around him, and then there was an outer group from that. And we saw that he uh, himself immersed himself into a community. He had friends, and he had those that uh, uh, helped him in life, and he helped them. And we saw the principle of iron sharpens iron. And you and I are to be iron sharpeners. And to do that, we need to have community on a weekly basis. There ought to be a small group of people. And we call them life groups here. And hopefully you're in a life group, but I encourage you to be in one. We need a small group of people who will sharpen us, that we have proximity to, and that they are growing believers. And so they they can help bring a shine to our life, bring an edge to our life, can help sharpen us as believers. Those are the first two things that we saw. And then last week, I brought the challenge of our G3 vision. And one of the great parts of that vision is a challenge to have 100,000 gospel conversations over the next six years. I've been thrilled this week with several people that have called me and said, I had a gospel conversation, Pastor. And that's what I want us to see. And we're going we're gonna to devise some ways, and we'll get that out to you uh, soon about how we're going to count those gospel conversations. I'm going to share a little bit more with you in particular next week. What is a gospel conversation? But in its essence, it's any conversation you have with someone about Jesus, about his life and his death and his, his, his offer of salvation to others. And you can have that in restaurants. You can have it with neighbors. You can have it with your spouse or with your family that if, for, if uh, they need to hear the gospel. But I want to turn the corner towards this idea of how do we have that many conversations? Notice these are 100,000 conversations not with God. Now that sounds kind of strange. I hope we, we ought to have 100,000 conversations with him in a week <laughs> or in a couple of days. I don't know about you. It ought to be just a continual conversing with God. And I'm certainly not challenging you to have 100,000 conversations with your life group members, with believers that you are close with. I'm I'm sure you have a lot of conversations with them. This is a challenge to have 100,000 conversations with people that are far from God. People that aren't in a relationship with God. Or that you aren't sure, you don't even know if they are in right relationship with God who need the gospel. And to have those kind of conversations, we're going to have to fill out this third key mark of an iconic believer, a Christ-like believer, and that is to be a bridge builder. We've got to build bridges to have conversations. We've got to make connections with people. Sometimes those connections are quick. You don't have a lot of time. It might be a plane ride. It might be uh, with a waiter or a waitress at your table or just someone you might meet once in your life. But a lot of the conversations that we need to have need to cross a bridge of relationship, a bridge that we have constructed, that we have invested time in, that we have built. And here's the real challenge. And this, if this doesn't convict you, it convicts me all the time. 
We've got to have these conversations and build bridges and build relationships with people far from God. Now, most of you in this room probably wouldn't fit that category. I mean, you're showing good signs of wanting to know God just by being here this morning, right? But it's people out there. It's everyday people that you connect with. Neighbors, friends, loved ones, acquaintances, people on the street. Those are the people we've got to build bridges to. Jesus doesn't give us much of a choice in this matter. Because every time we look at Jesus, he's having a conversation with someone. And I want us to see him build a bridge. And to build a bridge to a person far from God, you're going to have to make the efforts to overcome some barriers. And you're going to have to uh, decide what is the best connection. How can I uh, form a connection? And you need to make this connection not not in a, a desire, well, I can call up pastor in three days and I can say I had a gospel conversation. That's not the ultimate motivation. The ultimate motivation to build a relationship, make a connection, build a bridge to a neighbor or all the way across the ocean to an unreached people group, the ultimate reason is love. God loves that person, doesn't he? He loves those people. And Jesus built a bridge to us out of love and he's calling us to build a bridge out of love to people far from God. That's not always easy. But I want you to look at Matthew chapter 9. Let's watch Jesus at work. And Jesus passed on from there. And he's just having great success. He's healing all sorts of people. He's calling disciples. He's he's preaching and teaching. But he passed on from where he had been at work. And he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And here's what most of us would have said. Have we paid our taxes? Am I caught up? I hope he doesn't notice me. But instead, Jesus went to the tax booth, to the tax collector, and said, follow me. And Matthew rose and followed Jesus. Now you think that is bold. It is hard for us, church, to put ourselves into the heart and mind of those Jewish believers and those uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and those who were Jewish leaders of their day, it's hard for us to understand the level of contempt and hatred they would have had for someone like Matthew. It's really hard for us to know. They, Matthew was a terrorist. He was a traitor and he brought terror into the lives of people. Because he taxed people that walked through the town, taking goods on up into the eastern parts of the empire. He would tax them. He would tax the local people. He had sold his soul to Herod uh, and to the Roman puppet government was, that was there. He was the worst type of person, worse than a Gentile and worse than a dog. He was the lowest form of life. Jesus came to the tax table 
to a person who was literally far from God. Go to the farthest parts in the Jewish mindset. You go as far as you can from God. Tax collectors are there. And Jesus came up to one of these people and said, all right, I want you in my group. You can just see the other disciples. Even the fishermen knew that was a bad idea. The next verse is revolutionary. You see, Jesus was a rabbi. He was a teacher. He kept meticulously the true uh, laws of the Old Testament, the moral laws. He was morally uh, pure. And, uh, and, and no Jew, even one that knew he wasn't morally pure, would have gone into the house of Matthew. And so here's what normally we would do. Can we, we knock on the door? Can we come inside? We come inside the lobby. And Jesus steps inside of a tax collector's house. And there he is in the foyer. I'm just picturing the foyer. And he's in there and they're having a conversation. No, that's, he went further than that, didn't he? The bridge didn't stop at the foyer. The bridge didn't stop at the table. He built a bridge all, all, at the tax table. He, bri- he built a bridge all the way to the dining room table in Matthew's house. Verse 10 says, And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came. I can just imagine some of the disciples. Remember Nathaniel, who was a, a Hebrew of Hebrews? Can you imagine? He's like, he's already nervous in Matthew's house, and then Matthew's friends start piling in. Here come more tax collectors. They weren't even supposed to touch them, much less be in their house. And now Jesus is like, guys, come on, let's have a seat. What? Jesus is building a bridge to people far from God. And when he sits at the table and reclines with Matthew at the table, that was one of the most intimate forms of personal friendship. This wasn't, this wasn't having lunch at BJ's or having a coffee at Starbucks. This was far more than that. This was coming into the home, reclining in relationship at the table of someone who was unclean. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, uh, and you notice all of the Pharisees don't really address Jesus a lot. They come to the disciples and say, you really, are you sure you want to follow this guy? What's he doing? Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, Jesus didn't miss much, did he? When he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I came not to call the righteous, but who? Sinners. What we see in the life of Jesus is this. To be a bridge builder, you have to know and you're going to have to show love to people far from God. Bridge builders know and love people far from God. One man named J.K. Johnson studied the gospel and he asked this question as he poured over the gospels. He said, what, where did Jesus meet people? This is pretty interesting. The Gospels recorded, according to him, 132 contacts that Jesus had with people. 
Six of the contacts in the gospel, six of them were in the temple. Four of them were at church in the synagogues. 122 were with people in their daily walks of life. Folks, that's why we kind of adjusted our mission. It's the same mission, but we adjusted the way we talk about Our mission is to join everyday people on a journey. We've got to join everyday people. We can't just join temple people. We can't just join synagogue people. We can't just join church people. We've got to know and love people who are far from God. And and can I just tell you, I get so busy with the sheep. I get so busy in church work that this can be one of the things that I miss. And Jesus fought that. He fought that. He went out of his way to build a bridge to Matthew. What, what this man was, when he did these uh, diagnostics, what he was trying to show is that Jesus was thinking out of the box. He was thinking out of the box. And, I, and we've got to think out of the box if we're really going to make an impact on our community. If we want to do more, We've got to think outside of our, of our box. Let me tell you about Jesus. Jesus is God the Son, and God the Son had to think outside of his heaven box. For all of eternity, he'd been in the heaven box. Now stick with me. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. I know he's not in a box, but just he had every right to stay in the heaven box for eternity. By the way, he was happy there. He was not bored there. <laughs> He was eternally, joyfully relating with God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. But they decided for the glory of the Father, for the glory of God, they would think outside of the heaven box. And they created us and made a covenant together to save a world. And God the Son came out of his heaven box and entered into our world. He became flesh and dwelt among us. Aren't you glad he didn't stay in his heaven box? Jesus came as a Jew. He had always promised Abraham, I'm going to give you a descendant that's going to bless the whole world. He's going to come and he's going to bless the Jewish people. He could have stayed in his Jewish box. I mean, he was born a Jew. The Romans weren't very kind to Jews. And he could have stayed in the Jewish box. And he could have killed all the Romans and taken over and run all the Gentiles out. But he didn't stay in his Jewish box. How many of you are glad he didn't stay in his Jewish box? You and I wouldn't be sitting here. But here's the one I'm really glad. Because this is the box. He could have stayed in his pride box. Now, stick with me. Here's the pride box. Here's what the pride box says. They ought to come to me. They ought to come to me. I'm God, not them. I don't run after them. Do they not know who I am? Those people ought to see the light and run to me. And I think sometimes we get stuck in the pride box. Jesus made the decision not to stay in the heaven box, the Jewish box, or the pride box. And he deserved to stay there. Don't, didn't Jesus deserve the whole world to run and bow and worship him? He deserved that absolutely. But if he had stayed in that box, all of us would perish. 
So Jesus came out of all of these things. He, 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 he could have gone in and said, everybody come to the temple. Everybody come to the synagogue. But he knew, he knew the only way people would ever get saved is, he, is if he built a bridge, took on flesh, a bridge from heaven to earth. He became the bridge. Then he became the bridge from the Jewish people to all of the Gentile world. And then he, he was the bridge from light to ultimate darkness. He himself became the bridge. And I'm so glad he didn't stay in his box, but his people are staying in their box. We're staying in our box. Come to the box. It's great in here. Bridge builders are people who know and love people who are far from God. I know thousands and thousands. Having pastored so many churches, I know thousands and thousands of people. I'm not bragging. It's just happened. But most of them are saved. I'm going to see them all in heaven for eternity. Listen to... Listen, if we choose the box and, and what Jesus is saying is if we choose to sit and wait in the box instead of go and tell people far from God, the spiritually sick are never healed and the self-righteous are never challenged. We must join everyday people. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Let me give you an example. The Apostle Paul embodies this Christ-likeness, this bridge-building mindset. That's why he said, imitate me, folks, as I imitate who? Christ. He said, I'm just doing what I saw Jesus do. He built bridges. I'm going to build bridges. Watch what he says in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to how many? All. That I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. Well, he was already a Jew, but what he's saying is I tried not to be a stumbling block. I tried to build relationships with them, and I compromised not my faith. I didn't compromise my morals. I didn't compromise anything that Jesus has set before me. But whatever I could do, I would do so that I might win my Jewish brethren to Jesus. And so he built bridges. To those under the law, I became one under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Does that mean he became a thief to win thieves? No, he didn't break the law. But he did whatever he could to try to reach people who were not Jewish. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means, I, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the what? The gospel. That I might share, them in its, share with them in its blessings. What a great life verse that would be. I do everything I do. For the sake of the gospel, that I might share with them in its blessings. He's a bridge builder. 
Can I remind you, Paul lived most of his life despising Gentiles, avoiding Gentiles. Then he spent the second half of his life after he met Jesus doing, just pouring out his blood, his tears, his sweat, and his soul to reach Gentiles for Christ. He became a bridge builder like his Savior, Jesus. So bridge builders know and love people far from God. Now, I know probably if you've grown up in church like me, you get a little bit nervous with this. So let me help you with your nervousness. My nervousness is that my kids are going to think, well, I'm going to start missionary dating. All right, I didn't say that we are to pursue dating relationships, marriage relationships, those kind of deep uh, covenant relationships with people who are far from God. No, I think you, you understand other parts of the Scripture make it very clear. We are not united at that level. Uh, uh, I wouldn't want to partner in business. You know, there are, there are levels of connection you don't want to do with people who are not followers of Christ, and we have other teachings to that. But, but what I'm talking about is the everyday people you and I live among God doesn't want us to ignore them during the week and then run to our box on Sunday and hope they show up. And so, bridge builders have to know and show love to people far from God. Let me give you the second point that we see in this story. Bridge building isn't cheap. It's not cheap. It's going to cost you. I cannot, I cannot lie to you about that. It cost Jesus his life. Look at, look at verse 11. So he made, built this bridge to Matthew, but the Pharisees were watching. The Pharisees saw this and they complained about it. They questioned it. And so, right here, even in this story, he, he pays a bit of a price. He's having to answer questions. He's having to deal with some persecution, some challenging to his ideas. And, and people are not always going to understand that. And, and so, there's a bit of a price we pay just, just by uh, beginning to think like this. But let me tell you about his courage. He paid a price, first of all, in his approach to Matthew. His approach to Matthew was a bit of a price. He had to go to a place that he really probably uh, everybody else avoided. The tax table. Most of us don't just visit for fun the IRS. And so he, he, he paid a bit of a price in his courage to approach Matthew. Now let me just tell you about Matthew. Matthew, this was not a big place that they lived in. Jesus may have had already in his life, perhaps many times, paid some taxes to Matthew. We don't know. But it's, it's not like Matthew had not already heard Jesus' teaching and been listening. I don't think it's that Jesus just came out of the blue and th uh, threw Matthew into a trance and said, follow me. This had probably been some type of... Uh, uh, of uh, Matthew watching Jesus and Jesus knowing and watching uh, the Spirit moving in Matthew's heart and, and in his life. And so 
We also know that Jesus prayed before he called his disciples. And so this was a matter of prayer. This was a matter of planning. I want you to see this not as accidentally. He just didn't walk by and say, hey, Matthew, you look like you might be a good disciple. Why don't you follow me? This was a purposeful, intentional, bridge-building effort. He prayerfully approached a place that most people avoided. And he did so carefully and prayerfully. Second of all, Jesus had to have some courage to call Matthew. Now let me just tell you, he said, come follow me. And when he issued that invitation, this was, not, this was more than just an invitation to come hear him speak at the local synagogue or the local mountain top. This was a commitment from Jesus to spend personal time discipling and mentoring Matthew. He said, I want you to be one of my key guys. It's not just a commitment from Matthew to follow Jesus. This was a commitment of Jesus to mentor and teach and turn Matthew into a fisher of men. I think a lot of the reason that you and I don't build bridges is we know if we build a relationship bridge, we don't have the time or are not willing to carve out the time that that relationship is going to require. Period. We, there are so many wonderful, busy things to keep us uh, happy and on course, you know, and busy as, as Americans. And we've got to be careful that we're not paying a deep price by not carving out time to build relationships with people far from God that need to be taught and loved and encouraged in the faith. So he, he paid a price in his call and his commitment to Matthew. I'm committing to you. And thirdly, he paid a price when he embraced Matthew and entered into Matthew's life and reclined at his table. Jesus ended up paying a lot of, a lot of prices for his willingness to bridge build, to make an effort. And ultimately... We see Jesus sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. Why? He was building a bridge to us. We see him being beat with a whip. We see him be, having his beard plucked out. We see his, him being, having a thorn uh, crown plunged into his scalp. We see him, his lacerated body hung on a cross. All of this was a price to build a bridge between us and God. Well, I just, I don't think I have time. He took on flesh. He took on sin in his innocence. He took our punishment. He paid a price. And so next week, I'm going to get in to a little bit more about sharing. But I ran across this four-part four part little thing that might help you remember it. Stuart Briscoe wrote in his book, Getting Into God, here's what we've got to do. If we're going to build bridges to the lost, we've got to, number one, we've got to care. And we've got to show people we care. 
We've got to go out of our way to show our neighbors and our friends and complete strangers we care and the unreached people groups and the groups that are overseas. We've got to show that we are concerned for them as people. And we don't need to show that as a means to an end. It is an end in of itself. We are called to love people sacrificially. And so we care. But we gotta, we got to care, but we also got to dare. There's got to build a bridge. You're going to have to initiate some of those relationships. And Jesus dared to go to the tax table, dared to enter into Matthew's house, dared to recline at his table, dared to challenge the Pharisees and the religious elite. He dared because he cared. And because he dared and because he cared, he shared. Eventually, as we build these bridges, we need to use those bridges to share the gospel. But also, in those relationships, uh, we need to share the burdens in people's lives. Get into their lives and, and, and find out what they like and what they love and what what some of their challenges are and what some of their burdens are. And you get in there and you shoulder and share that burden with people and help build a bridge of relationship with your community and with your world. And then you can't leave out prayer. Don't leave out prayer. Because it is the Holy Spirit that does the work in the people's hearts. Let me ask you some tough questions. Question number one. And I just want us to camp out here for a few more minutes. Just a tough question. Honest question. Does your calendar and your lifestyle, does your calendar or lifestyle reveal, if we were to look at it, any intentional investment in relationships with people far from God? I've got to ask myself that question. My calendar's full. Your calendar's probably full. But what's it full of? Does it reveal any intentional investment towards relationships with people that might be far from God? It might be that you need to join a a book club or some type of networking group uh, and and, and you, you find... Uh, that in those type of groups you can build relationships and build bridges with the community? Are you serving our community in little ways or big ways? It was exciting to be at the Chamber of Commerce banquet this week as one of our church members was made the chamber president. And I saw a lot of our church members scattered out in the business community building bridges. Are you building those bridges in the, in the schools, in your friendships, just loving people the way Jesus would love them? And then let me ask you a second tough question. Sometimes we're great at building bridges, and we build relationships, but we, we never quite dare to cross that bridge with the gospel. That bridge ultimately needs to be a bridge across which you bring a person and the gospel of salvation in Christ, you bring the two together. And that can be scary. And sometimes you pay a price for that. But have you used the bridges you have? 
You've got some great bridges. People know you love them. They know you care. But do you dare bring Jesus across that bridge? Pray for wisdom and guidance and courage. And to do that, are you choosing crossing those bridges with the gospel? Let me ask one final question before we dismiss. Of every single person in this room. Jesus built a bridge with the cross, with his life. He built the only bridge in existence from here to heaven. Jesus is that bridge. How many of you have crossed that bridge? How many of you crossed the bridge Jesus built for you? I'm not talking about dying and going to heaven. How many of you have received the gift God sent across that bridge? Eternal life in Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that, you can do it right now today. Jesus paid the ultimate price to build a bridge. Have you received it into your life? Let's pray together. With our heads bowed, I just want these three questions to kind of sit with us. Just in a time of response, a time of commitment. Just mentally, if you would, just kind of look at your life with me. I promise you, I promise you, church family, that I'm examining my life. We all need to examine our lives. I've examined it. Am I a daily worshiper? Because Jesus was. I'm examining, am I an iron sharpener? Because Jesus was. I can't leave out, am I a bridge builder to people far from God? Just got to look at it. Maybe your response today is, God, my, my calendar and my life indicates I'm pretty full and satisfied with lots of things. And I have not made intentional time I've not made an intentional investment to try to connect to the world around me and build love loving bridges of kindness bridges maybe of service to the community to your neighbors to the nations just just look at it with me let the holy spirit say you know you, you are, you're doing some great things, and it's awesome. You need to come to the church and get refueled, but I'm refueling you, and I'm empowering you to build bridges. And just say, God, help me to begin to intentionally think about that. Where, where is the next tax booth for you, Christian? Where is it? Who is it? Let's just make this a time of prayer where we pray, God, help me to see the potential Matthews around me. Jesus looked at that hated tax gatherer and he saw incredible potential, but he knew that potential would only be found in Christ Jesus and experienced through life in Christ Jesus. So Jesus crossed the bridge to Matthew and Matthew received eternal life in Christ.
And finally, is there someone or maybe many even this morning that are sitting here and Jesus came from heaven to earth. He went from earth to a cross and died in your place. He built a bridge to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the bridge. All you have to do is receive that. Cross that bridge. Receive eternal life from Jesus Christ this morning if you never have. Can I encourage you right now just to pray with me? Just words like this. You may want to ask Jesus into your heart right now if you want to. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for crossing from heaven to me. Pray that to him. Thank him. Thank him for dying on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place. And now just ask him to forgive you of your sin. Turn from sin. Just say, Jesus, I repent of my sin and I receive that forgiveness. I need it. And Jesus, I need the gift of eternal life. Just ask him right now. He'll give you eternal life beginning today.